Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Editing Aloud. And today we find ourselves in a situation where both the Opposition Democratic Alliance and the governing uh, ruling ANC are in all kinds of trouble. Um, and I'm going to ask the, my guests on the panel to help us sort it out because in Cape Town, the DA says that it's, it has now removed um, uh, Mayor Patricia DeLille as a party member, which means that she is no longer the mayor. She says she is still the mayor. The deputy mayor says there is no mayor until, until the caucus votes. Um, it's, been, it's been a really messy period, Sikonati, uh, uh, for the DA. And um, I think the party was even admitting as much yesterday that it, it's, done, it's done itself damage. It's, it's a classic case of a, 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 a political party losing the best possible opportunity and destroying itself from within. Uh, they, they are basically firing uh, those voters that Patricia Delil brought with her yeah. uh, in the but the, the real fact of the matter is there is only a vacancy uh, once the party has declared to the IEC that there is a vacancy and Patricia Delil says she's going to interdict uh, the the IEC from holding a vote because there's no vacancy uh, and and the whole thing here is how the DA has gone about it all why has the DA failed to charge Patricia Dillon. Well, this is the interesting thing. I mean, I don't know, Lucania, whether any of this, whether you, as you get used to being back here, whether any of this looks familiar to you um, in British politics or Scottish politics. But they, they developed a whole lot of charges, right, against Patricia Dillon. Uh, and, 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 you know, this, this has been going on now for months. And then suddenly she said the other day, I think on Eusebius Mackay's radio show, that, um, you know, if the DA wants me to go, then I'll go. And, and the DA then invokes a, uh, a clause in its constitution which says if you threaten to resign, then you lose your membership. But she was, what she said was conditional. If they want me to go, then I'll go. And, and, and so they've leapt on that instead of their painstakingly collected case mm -hmm. against her, just taken this shortcut. I mean, do pe politicians do stupid things, don't they? Uh, also, like, I mean, coming as, as, as an outsider, I, ask, uh, I say my job is to ask the stupid, simple question. Yeah. And I said, what has she done? And my colleague who's been here all this time didn't know either. Yeah. <laughs> so so it seems to be quite a, well, a lot of, uh, actually not, not a lot of clarity about what this process is That's about right. and what, what the actual, f actual charges are. No. And, no. I mean, y yesterday the party was supposed to release details of its charges against her. I think yesterday or the day before. And they, I don't think they have. I mean, there's no mention of them uh, on social media, which surely there would have been by now. There's no mention of them in the paper this morning. Um, Hilary, it sounds really weird. I mean, I know that you, you, know, you concentrate mainly on the economy, but, but Cape, Town's a, Cape Town's a big deal, you know, and, and in South Africa, it's, a, it's an important city. It's now effectively not leaderless, but, but in, there must be, people in Cape Town must be very confused about what's happening to their city. Yeah, we really don't know what the backstory is, but I think the big picture, which is the two aspects of it which are really disturbing. The first is that um, the DA had tried to position itself as an alternate party of governance, yeah. um, not just an opposition party. And that was what the Cape Town effort was and the Western Cape effort was and taking some of the other metros, such as, as Johannesburg itself. And this has just, now it's tearing itself apart in the most humiliating yeah. way. And that positioning has just been destroyed, really. I mean, yeah. I don't think, you know, anyone now thinks of it as a party of governance. Um, and, and the other aspect of it is that they actually did 
apart from the drought, they did really well in Cape Town. No, it was yeah. on all the numbers, and I've seen the World Bank yeah. did a comparison of cities at some yeah. point. It was, in fact, the best governed city, and it was the best city in South Africa in which to do business. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're taking all of that and they're sort of snatching defeat, as it were, from the jaws of victory. It is, it is extraordinary. It's, yeah, Sikna. And that is the thing. The DA has built itself, its raison d'etre has been Q process. Yeah. Q process therefore demands if you've got evidence of any wrongdoing, be it criminal wrongdoing or even just internal party discipline, yeah. charge the person, present your evidence, allow the person a, an opportunity to defend herself. They demand this in day in, day out of the ANC. And now they've got this opportunity. They've formulated charges against Patricia Delil in January. If you're so confident of your case, Surely you will put it to the accused you and then uh, find them guilty. Yeah. They because have failed as, as dismally. The, as the Delil saga uh, progresses, there's no question but that Musi Maimani, the, the leader of the party, is under pressure over talking about things like white privilege. And, and, and you can see on Twitter, senior MPs from the DA making light of the whole notion of white privilege and calling it a, you know, a, a, um, a sort of an old recast, old sort of shibboleth, as it were. How does this all play out um, for the party um, next year uh, or whenever the next election happens to be? I mean, they are much weaker now, surely, electorally, than they were a year ago. They absolutely are, and they've lost again, just like the EFF, their biggest campaigner. They've lost Jacob Zuma, yeah. and, and, and they, they, they now are, are running around like a headless chicken. And they won the city of Cape Town with a two-thirds majority, with Patricia Delil in charge and everything you've just said about the city of Cape Town just look at the city of Cape Town and compare it to Johannesburg of course they will have a, an excuse that we've only been here for for two years but look at it now uh, they, they've lost it and they have weakened themselves totally this is have you seen have you seen this sort of thing happen Luke in in in, in politics while you've been away I mean politics like support politicians everywhere they look yeah. after themselves rather than yeah. for the people I think that's why this this story is is quite sad it's not necessarily because of the DA because the idea that it was that I mean that's why they portray themselves as, as a standard for good governance yeah. that they would they would take the model from Cape Town elsewhere yeah. now they've loaded one the, the, all these other metros and now we're gonna go back What's where we might actually have a, a one-party democracy again when, yeah. when we were actually on the verge of actually having a, a proper of, competitive of, of, system. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I think that, that's what really matters. No? But I, don't, I don't really care so much about Cape Town, about Delil, but I think that, that that's the bigger picture. That, that, that's, it is, that's it's a serious thing. I mean, yeah. I remember this time last year, I remember being told by a very senior person in the, in the DA that they were looking at about 32% for the next general election. And that's got to have gone away by now. Um, what has happened to the EFF, I don't know. I mean, they'll make some progress, I suppose. Um, uh, but, but the people you know. who, I think a lot of this, the, the, the gains that they made were because of ANC people not voting, yeah. switching their votes to the DA, but yeah. not voting at all. So yeah. now that they've lost that advantage too. Absolutely. And then in the, in the ANC, um, I think everybody's enjoyed the um, exchange between President Cyril Ramaphosa and John Steenhuisen, the DA chief whip, uh, yesterday in which Steenhuisen, who is, uh, is an aggressive and quite a good parliamentarian, I have mm -hmm. to say, I like watching him, um, was told to shut up by the president, not one, but about four times um, before uh, the speaker called uh, Cyril Ramaphosa to some sort of order. Well, but there was strategy in that, I presume. I mean, it's a kind of opportunity I would have thought that Cyril would have looked for just to show a bit of spunk 
um, in, in and public. I actually thought it was quite tame when I could listen to Prime Minister's questions. I mean, yeah. I could go to, <laughs> we yeah. see in Westminster, that was actually quite nothing yeah. compared to what you'd see there week by week. Yeah. Which can be frustrating in a way because it does let the population down in a sense because people end up they're not actually answering questions in any kind of substantial kind of way. Yeah. But it was actually good for maybe for him, for people to see some fire in him. Maybe yeah. there's, there's been an element that has been too polite, yeah. he agrees with everybody, like he doesn't, we still yeah. don't know what exactly his stance is on things. And he was clever, wasn't he, Sika, to, to, um, uh, to, to back Maimane, um, uh when he said, you know, we will come to your support because Maimane has been using the phrase uh, white privilege in some of his speeches recently. And, uh, and some of his more liberal, well, I don't know whether they're more liberal or more conservative colleagues, uh, have taken offense at it. And um, uh, as, as I say, have been, have been uh, tweeting, not behind his back, because he's on Twitter as well. Uh, but um, it's, causing, it's caused some offense in the party. Can the, is the DA, Hillary, I mean, you know, you, you, you'll know these politics. Is the DA going to split? I mean, is there a split? There is already a split. I mean, it, there's, a sp there's a split about colour for a start. It seems to be about colour. I'm no be. expert on the DA, but there seem to be multi-way splits, and I suppose one of the reasons that 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 Sir Ramaphosa's comment was so endearing yeah. was that it sort of couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. I mean, Stenhausen just comes across as the, the, the leadership issues in the DA are really problematic. Musi Mamani has been absolutely absent over this Patricia yeah. Delille thing. Yeah. Um, Stenhausen seems to call all sorts of shots. Yeah. Uh, the new, you know, the the new. Uh, but Stenhausen is my the very is that he's yeah. a Musi supporter rather than rather than a, a, oh, yeah. a critic? Yeah, yeah. But I, the, what what the leadership politics of the party are, I think, is, is there's something disturbing how about the it, whole how thing. How does it manage to be so opaque? Why don't we know how the DA works? Uh, isn't it because sorry, maybe that the DA was not really a, polit a former polit a, a pro political party in a sense in the sense of its formation, or not, not formed be behind common principles behind ideology. And if you look at people in the ANC, whether they come from Santin or from Soweto, they seem to have a similar views on, on, on the views, whether it's the economy. Yeah. Like, so they have an ideological thing that binds them together. I mean, what does Jensen, what, is it, what, does bind, what binds him with people from Guguletu? It's hard to actually imagine that there is, like on an ideological or even kind of level, what, so, so it sounds like a bit like, a, like our paper says, marriage of convenience. And those don't normally last very long, do they? And we don't know what, I mean, their economic policy is, you know, hardly an alternative to anything. They haven't, as even as opposition, well, th this is a very good question. Mm. It's certainly not different enough to ANC policy to give us anything to think about. They, they keep talking about um, being, the, um, op, uh, you know, their the, the big, the big offering is opportunity, which in a society like this has surely got to be a bit ambitious. You see, the, the biggest problem with the DA, and this is where you are going to see the divide, uh, the, the fact that the black middle class see the DA as the best alternative to the ANC as it is, does not actually mean that uh, they, they have forgotten about the past and what needs to be done to fix the past. Yeah. The first thing is to acknowledge it. Therefore, mm. there is white privilege. Mm. Uh, if you now, and, and by the way, that is how they lost uh, uh, the lady in, uh, from, from uh, Linduema Zabuko uh, on black economic empowerment. They disagreed on, on, on what the DA mm. position should be. 
there we go we go now musi maimane is back exactly where lindy wemazimko was five years ago white privilege and you cannot talk about be without addressing that matter you cannot talk about the past without addressing the future without addressing the past yeah. and that's where they will disagree yeah. and uh, him and him and mashaba and all the other black leaders have already st stood up and rallied behind musi and said we didn't join the da to defend black privilege yeah. uh, to, to defend white privilege yeah. we joined the da to take south africa forward yeah. but how do you take south africa forward without looking backwards first acknowledging the I past mean, uh, do what because, you can and move on because the white membership or leadership or parliamentary leadership of the da is scared of losing literally their jobs i mean uh, what what is do, do, does anybody know what the parliamentary pension scheme is is it a defined benefit or defined um, Defined. No idea, but I think uh, it might be something deeper than that. It's the public office bearer's pension fund. Well, it's probably then a, so, probably so a portion of your salary. You know, yeah, like absolutely. Like it's, a defined, it's a, it's a defined benefit fund. But, but remember now, Natasha Mazzone is not thinking about retirement. She's thinking about leading the party. Well, that's fine. But for the party to be sustainable, she's feisty and she's good. has to do to itself yeah. what South Africa has to do to yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, the, the white leadership of the DA have to work themselves out of jobs by recruiting black uh, yeah. leaders and members in order for the party to survive. Yeah. If they are going to hold on to the leadership, the party is going nowhere. It seems Just to like me, though, that there's a, there's, a, there's a big enough group of MPs there who describe themselves as liberal who would rather not, who would rather just be liberal than in government, you know, and would, and would prefer a to... And hold on to that privilege. What, let's say, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Anyway, uh, interesting discussion about the political parties. We'll stop it there and be back after this break. Welcome back. Um, Hillary, emerging markets are taking a bit of a hammering. The dollar's strong. Is it, is it, is it Iran and Donald Trump uh, pulling out of the uh, Iran peace deal? Is it something else? What's, what's no, happening? That predated that. I think, I think it, 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 it was particularly driven by um, US Treasury yields going over 3%. So, so the gap which emerging markets offered this much higher yield, much higher interest rate right. than you could earn in the sort of zero rate uh, advanced countries, particularly the US. And that was why we've had capital washing into uh, South Africa and other emerging markets over the past few years in search of yield. But um, our so yield here is about 8%, right? Uh, 7, 8, yeah. Seven, yeah. Eight. And so Ameri American 3% Trump's It was there. close to zero, and it's now, it's just, it just when it went over 3% for the first time, this is the yield on US 10-year mm. treasury, um, that was like quite a break. Yeah. And I think the dollar's been strengthening lately on, on better prospects for the U.S. economy. And um, we've been waiting to see if there's going to be an emerging market route. Yeah. And it's not a crash. It's not like, you know, yeah. 20 to 13 or, or late 90s crashes. But there's certainly been a turn in global sentiment uh, to away from emerging markets. And we've been hit by it, but there are others, such as Argentina, <laughs> which have been hit really savage. The sort of really vulnerable emerging markets have been absolutely hammered. Really? Uh, though South Africa, the RAND was doing so well on, on, on the Ramaphoria yeah. thing. Um, we thought we were sort of wonderful, but yeah. in fact, we were reminded that we are a small, open emerging market, uh, as yeah. we always were. And, and, and what effect is this? this is, uh, what effect is the strength of the dollar and you know improving economic outlook do for for Trump? Do you think, Luke? Does it does it you know does it make make him feel more secure? Does Stormy Daniels <laughs> lurk in the <laughs> background? Um, 
Uh, I mean, how do you read that situation? I mean, there is that sort of old famous quote from the Clinton era. It's the economy is stupid. Yeah. But then if you look back, say, to the UK, when John Major was like outvoted out yeah. there, they, they, he, well, the economy was actually booming. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it can go both ways. And, and, and to the extent to which these things can overcome his other challenges, I think it's, it's not really clear. I mean, if you look at the Obama era, I mean, Obama should be lauded as one of the greatest leaders ever, but yeah. certainly the population see him as a bit of a failure, even though he inherited an economy in a mess is and left it record unemployment. <laughs> is this swing in the American economy just part of a cycle? Because it was on the up when Obama was... It was on the up, yeah. yeah. Well, Obama, as Luke said, turned it around, absolutely. Yeah. But, but it wasn't that. And of course, there's the, the sort of additional stimulus, which... which Trump has put in probably inappropriately uh, well, the a lot cut. of the tax cuts. Yeah. Everyone would argue, but 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 that that is a boost, um, yeah. and um, so that that's the stimulus. And and the the US economy has been looking good. Yeah, yeah. And Hillary auditors in this country. What is happening? To, you know, KPMG. Not not a week goes by now when some large client doesn't say goodbye to KPMG. Um, is it how long? Uh, I come to you as well, Sukhanati, and all of you. I mean, how long? Can a firm that big take this kind of hammering? I think it can't stay that big. That's the answer. Mm. And, you know, the merits of it are lot. I think what, what perhaps KPMG hasn't really, didn't really realize is there's a kind of a bloodlust. Somebody's got to pay for what Zuma and the Guptas did to South Africa. Mm. So the, some of the service providers who were, who had poor judgment and got sort of embroiled in this, even if they didn't do anything wrong, um, are going to take the fall. And, um, you know, even companies who, for whom they've done absolutely more than adequate auditors uh, or audits, and, and KPMG was the leading financial services audit firm yeah, in South Africa. Really? But even companies to whom they, who acknowledge they provided very good service and they have no issues with their service, are under pressure from their shareholders, from their stakeholders to get rid of them. So we've had Barclays, which is one of its biggest clients, yeah. the Auditor General, um, one of the biggest clients, and there's a and a couple of other big ones, and there's an AGM season, you know, that we're in now, yeah. and chances are that other companies' uh, boards will be recommending that and they so be replaced. What, what happened to an auditing firm collapses in our economy? I mean, we had Arthur Anderson. Arthur Anderson. I don't know. That they, I think the question is, will they collapse or will they? The language they're now talking, because I did speak to them over the weekend, mm. the language they're now talking is um, they have to readjust their business model. Um, and what I think that means is they've got to downsize to an appropriate level so that they can rebuild themselves, you know, do what they've said since yeah. September they're going to do, put the integrity and the quality and the judgment checks in place, um, weather the storm, and then try over the next few years to sort of rebuild their franchise. Yeah. But if, assuming they do survive, um, and they probably, they prob possibly will, because they've still got lots of clients to service, they've still got KPMG International's multinational yeah. clients to yeah. service. Um, and it would be a tragedy, really, for South Africa if they lost them. I yeah. do have to say that. I think um, they're not going to be a big four firm in South Africa anymore. That, that's what it's starting to I sound to like. I, I beg to differ about it being a tragedy for South Africa if they survived. You, you, you started out very well. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to pay. And KPMG, with that authority, with that stamp of professionalism that they carried, allowed Jacob Zuma and the Guptas to run away with it. They have cost us at least 100 billion rand. Someone needs to pay. 
Yes, what they did for 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 ESCOM for the Guptas. Uh, what about what PwC did? Didn't notice a thing at SAA for de like definitely ten years. What someone about what has been did? Someone didn't notice a thing. At someone Stanford? definitely you can't have a has whole been caught. Pain. Someone mm. has been caught with their hand <laughs> in the cookie jar. Who? And that is KPMG. Well, a, a, a couple of partners have been caused to de their hand. Definitely, in cookie, and, cookie and, and 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 for that, someone needs to pay. Bell Potenza is gone. Kunki is gone. We need. Kofi shouldn't have gone either. That was the Auditor General being irresponsible in my the, view. The Auditor General was absolutely spot on. You and I have been uh, and why paying for all this fraud for this crime. And why wasn't he taking it up with them a year before? Why didn't he, because know, he, didn't why did know, he do nothing about uh, it? Because he didn't know. And because, uh, just like all those people, 50 years of investments in Steinhoff didn't know. Now that they do know. What do you do about it? The fact that someone has stolen things before and you didn't notice, the, mon the minute you catch them, let them pay for all the 50 years. Now, the, the, the great thing about KPMG is that those are highly skilled people, very sought after. The brand must die. The people walk out but and definitely go start all over. I mean Auditors and chartered accountants are highly sought out in this country. There will be no job losses in Actually that instance. I must tell they you will something. Be some of them have already been lost to the country. One, some of their senior partners have left. Not only KPMG, they have left South Africa. They are now in Europe. Are you talking about the corrupt ones? Do we no, need them? No, the, the uncorrupt place? ones. I can guess. I the uncorrupt ones. You do some good partners are walking out of there. You, you definitely will lose people, but you will gain a whole lot more. Uh, what do we do need here? They have I, I could use a word that I can't use on TV, but they Run really... <laughs> <laughs> you want me to use <laughs> they, we, we, South Africa was right at the top of financial regulation yeah. and everything. And KPMG messed all over that, uh, together, of course, with our lax regulation. Someone has to pay for it. And our and lax boards of directors who didn't definitely. notice the thing either. I, I someone, don't think it's just Someone has profession. to pay for it and... It seems at this point it has to be KPMG. Nkonki is too small to have an effect. We need to have one of the big four. No one should be too big uh, to fail. Can I just ask what happened when Arthur Anderson um, closed down here? KPMG mobbed them up. Okay. That whole culture but went to KPMG. But then, so, so let's say KPMG falls and there'll be people around and they'll get jobs known with uh, PwC and Ernst and & Young. Yeah, and, that, and then we'll have a big three instead of a big we'll four. We'll have a big three <laughs> instead of a big four. And then what happened? Do we break them up? On this show, Can I have said numerous times that it is the Reserve Bank that has insisted on appointing the big four. It has insisted. You build up capacity because you now have the clients. Y you don't build up capacity in terms of hiring auditors mm. uh, to wait for, for accounts. Yeah, you sure. get accounts uh, which the Reserve Bank must approve in relation to the banks. And, and now the Auditor General has to go to Grant Thornton to, uh, to, to all the... Grant Thornton doesn't have the capacity, doesn't even want to do Yes, it. the you capacity follows the account. auditors are very specialized. And you don't just... You can sort of shift them from one form to the other, but I they train the clients Hillary, the banks from act, graduation. The Bank's it's Act not just only the says the Reserve Bank has to approve. Yes. These auditors. But it's these all all of these you can't auditors just put are trained. Any audit yes, firm you can't into just put in any audit firm, but that firm that you will put on will only build the capacity once it has the revenue, the bankable revenue. That's how it works. You, you go to Standard Bank and say, I can do your audit because three thousand people have just lost their jobs at KPMG. They are doing that good job. We're gonna put these measures in place. 
The, the, these are the people trained as well as the others that work at KPMG, the same accounting schools. The Reserve Bank will still be supervising them. The Reserve Bank just made it a tradition to appoint these four. It's not that they were the only ones that can do it. No one is going to go hire 20 auditors when they have no jobs for them. That, hence, you, you, you have to have the bankable contract from the bank and then you go get the people. It's that easy. KPMG has to die and the sooner the better. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree on that. We will. Let's, let's, let's agree to disagree. I quickly wanted just to talk about um, SARS and Tom Moyani challenging his dismissal or his suspension. Um, and the very intriguing appearance of Dali Mpofu, the <laughs> chairman of the um, uh, Economic Freedom Fighters, as his advocate. Uh, how how l l does this happen, Luke, in your experience, um, where, uh, you know, Dali, we know, wears these two hats, um, and he can't really turn down a request if he, he doesn't feel conflicted. Um, but he might be conflicted in this, in this instance, I mean, because this is an opportunity for him to have a go at Saul Ramaphosa, a political opponent, surely. I mean, I don't really have much of background of this, yeah. but, but on the face of it, yes, they, I mean, there's a professional thing that says yeah. he can't turn down this president yeah. because he's got a professional obligation and everybody's got a right to legal representation. But we can't pretend there isn't a political <laughs> story here. Yeah. I mean, we know, like, I mean, he 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 of and, and also ANC and EFF. Yeah. So there are at the face of it. But um, if I'm not mistaken, it was, it was, it was Dali who interrogated, or sorry, that's the wrong, probably the wrong word, who cross-examined uh, Cyril at the Marikana Commission and had a lot of fun doing on it. On behalf think. of the workers. Yeah, on behalf yes, of the workers. That's uh, correct. So that, um, that will be uh, amusing to, to watch. Very lastly, Sikhanati, your guys are leading, and it's on our, on our board behind us, you've, uh, you've got a case study in looting state-owned companies and using SA Express. Is SA Express still standing? Is it worth anything? It, it's it still standing because you and I are paying for its uh, uh, continued survival. The, the, the actual story we are talking about here is how these companies get looted. Sup Supra Mahumapilu uh, uh, decided three years ago that let's resume flights between Mahikeng, uh, Pilansberg Airport and OR Tambo and here's 400 million rands guys I, I'll let you do it subsidies to South African Express Airways which comes from the taxpayer and and that money has been vanishing and and being purified. How, how long would it take to drive to Mahikeng? Three hours I drove to Mahikeng uh, two weeks ago. Okay. I, I, and the flight was what? 40 so minutes? So it? it's, it's, it's just a three hour yeah. thing the flight would be 40 minutes yeah. at most yeah, that, that and so the essence of the story is that as you sort of is just taking apart how how this money was paid out. How, how this money spent. was paid uh, into South African yeah. Express Airways, and then uh, the South African Express employees themselves are stealing it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, does anybody come out of it um, um, worthy of going to jail, or is it? Uh, is it just you know? There, one there's of those, quite a few people that uh, the, the the Hawks say they are investigating, okay. including. Uh, the, the main man of South African Express Airways, that is uh, uh, Brian van Weg, who okay. handled that contract. Okay. But there's a minister that is unnamed who supposedly received a bribe of 10 million rand. And oh, then really? there are senior government officials in the North. And does the financial mail know who the minister is? Uh, we, we do. Okay. Uh, but all will, be, all will be revealed in, in, in good conditions. Do get this week's financial mail. The story looks very interesting. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be with you again next week.